Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to the Bunker Daily. I am your host, Alex Andreu. Bloody horses' heads and exploding cars, picturesque paisani and wisecracking wise guys, white spats and Tommy guns, Vito Corleone, Tony Soprano, and Carmina Falcone. These are the tropes we all recall at the mention of the word mafia. Old world romantic fiction steps in to fill the gaps in our understanding. But as in the recent arrest of Messina Denaro reminded us, the mafia is very much a brutal, evolving, and very, very real organization. My guest today is an award winning professor at the University of Bath who has devoted her working life to the study of organized crime, especially the Italian mafias. Yes, there are more than one. She's the author of Camoristi, Politicians and Businessmen, and The Invisible Camorra, Neapolitan Crime Families Across Europe, which won the American Society of Criminology's Outstanding Book Award. Welcome to the bunker, Filia Alum. Thank you for having me. Filia, let us begin with a, an easy one. <laughs> what is organized crime? How, how does it differ from uh, disorganized crime, as it were? So um, you say it's an easy one. I'm not sure it's very easy in the sense that we have this ongoing debate among academics about what is organised crime, and we just don't agree. We get a sense of what crime is, but we're not really sure what the organised bit means. One way of looking at it is to visualise it in terms of a continuum of different forms of criminality. And at the far end, we might have some kind of group uh, that does some kind of criminality. I don't want to call it gangs, but some kind of youth uh, activity at one end. And mm. then slowly going in the direction, in the other direction, we get more and more organised. So we have organised crime groups that act together. Um, then we go further down the line where we have crime syndicates, where they're more structured. And then at the far, far end, we have mafias, specialised criminal groups with a certain amount of organisation, internal hierarchy to a certain extent, certain rules, use of violence which the other groups use as well but here pro probably in a more kind of systematic and focused manner but is their relationship mm. with politics mafias um, use politics in order to gain access to profits and that if you want to a certain extent is the defining element of mafias compared to the other groups which we can define in various ways mm. how do you study criminal organization i mean they are by definition shady and elusive Absolutely. Um, it's challenging. My approach has been very much a kind of observation, if I can, but also accessing and trying to talk to people, um, communities who are affected by, by criminality. But also in my work on, on the Italian mafia, I've been fortunate enough to talk to former criminals and to try and capture uh, their insider's perspective. Um, I think we need to combine our understanding, not only using police reports and judicial reports, but also the people 
people involved because although as you said at the beginning it sounds quite glamorous and quite sexy actually it's also very violent and uh, mm. a lot of people involved have no alternative you know to become uh, involved in this form of criminality so it's a complex it's complicated to study but we have to in order to try and perhaps fight it better mm. why is the italian mafia or mafias as we will come to discuss why are they the ones that have captured so much attention italy um is an interesting example of if you want this phenomena and the way that it has developed through the centuries and its relationship with the state so when i talk to my students and i make a difference if you want between italian mafias in italy and organized crime in the uk or crime syndicates in the uk uh, the metaphor i use or the analogy i try and sort of use with them is to say whereas in Italy, it's a virus. It, it's got into our body. Yeah, it's in the body politics, in the body of Italy as a country. Um, in other countries, it hasn't got in because that state building process was different. And in Italy, it is very much uh, intertwined, if you want, uh, with the economy, with the political system, and also, you know, if we go to the south of Italy, but also in the north of Italy, you know, it tries to control the territory in a very specific way, which means that it is a fully expansive uh, system power system that we can see and that we can feel are, are they still quite dominant in the in the states or have they been overtaken by other uh, syndicates so to call them italian mafias in america i think is is slightly imprecise in the sense that um what we call la cosa nostra which is if you want the american form of italian organized crime is a kind of criminality that develops parallel to the development of american capitalism but at the same time the arrival of italian immigrants from italy so lucky luciano is somebody we 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 refer to frequently he was an italian who arrived in in america with the american dream and out of his own own socialization and life became involved in this criminality and he was the one that in a way organized the Sicilians he went back to Sicily I think in 1956 if I recall correctly and got all the locals and said look you know if you want to make money you've got to get organized you need a, a commission you need an executive you need rules can I ask you something related to that uh, sort of tangential why is this kind of organized crime always so closely aligned to migrant communities. Why do these organizations always sort of define themselves by their provenance in a way? It's quite nationalistic, isn't it? I think that's a fair point. At the same time, I think we have to unpack it because I think with globalization, we, you know, lots of people travel. It's, it's not unusual I think perhaps the problem is the labels that we give as outsiders to this phenomenon. I think that's one level of analysis of how I think right wing press have adopted, you know, like the Albanian question at the moment. Well, if we take a closer look at organised crime in the UK, organised crime in the UK is thriving and we're not talking about it. So I think that there is a potentially a political kind of right wing agenda. And secondly, I also think um, at the same time, clearly, as a survival strategy outside of your country, when you come to a new country, you're obviously going to look for people who are like you, who talk your language, who, you know, they're, they're the people outside your country that you're going to identify with. And then what we can also see is criminal groups targeting these new immigrant communities. Um, so it's kind of, you know, mm, it is it mm. is complex. So we know that there are more than one, even Italian mafia, Messina Denaro, who was recently arrested, which one is he connected to? 
So um, Matteo Messino Denaro was a member and a leader of the Sicilian Cosa Nostra. So the Sicilian Cosa Nostra is based and located in Sicily originally. Mm-hmm. We ha- know about the um, Neapolitan Camorra because Roberto Saviano has written and done lots of films on it. And we also talk. We're also talking a lot about the Calabrian Andrangheta, which seems to control a lot of the cocaine trafficking into uh, the uh, Europe. Whereas mm-hmm. the Sicilian Cosa Nostra has gone quiet on us. The main reason is because it was the uh, organised crime group that uh, developed that terrorist strategy. I don't know whether you recall in the early 1990s, they were the ones that uh, planned and murdered. Judges Giovanni Falcone and Paolo Costellino. Yes, yes, I remember that. There was a spate of them, yeah. In 92 and in 93, they also bombed museums in the mainland. After that, they went underground. One of the theses that has been um, put forward for the reason as to why their terrorist strategy came to an end is that there was a, a negotiation between members of the or representatives of the state and Cosa Nostra. And this has also been part of a trial. So there's this kind of shadow, if you want, around Cosa Nostra. What is clear is that they've become more submerged, more hidden, because they've lost, I wouldn't say support, but that confrontation with the state has meant that they weren't able to carry on business as usual. You see, what what you've just said to me, implies somehow that their uh, systemic interconnection with sort of politics is so profound that even they operate by a set of common rules. We have to go back uh, in history a bit to understand the equilibrium that existed in post-war Italy. What I mean by that is that Italy was considered by the uh, Americans and the Vatican as the last resistance point, blocking communism. And that also meant blocking communism in terms of making sure that the Communist Party in Italy didn't come to power. So that entailed, if you want, a kind of complete focus on that, which meant that um, there was this other area where criminality was kind of uh, tacitly accepted, when the Christian Democrats party starts to lose power, they then sort of start looking for help and for potential votes from different types of communities, including including the mafia that by that time has quite become quite important. And therefore, we know that there have been kind of uh, uh, relationships between the dominant Christian Democrat party and the mafias. the image of the mafia is steeped in machismo. How do women fit into that? Or, for instance, LGBT people? So this is something that I've been working on recently, and it's really difficult to unpack because I think the first stumbling block is what we see as outsiders. We are being fed and we are given Um, Mm. a kind of male lens and a male narrative. So if you have a look, and this isn't just in Italy, this is across the board, even in the UK, um, people look at crime, they see the men, they don't see the women, the women are considered either as victims, which sometimes they are, but they're not given agency to participate in the criminality, or 
their power and influence are not necessarily seen. So we're we're fed a certain way of seeing that, which also reflects in the films and in the TV series that we see where it's about masculinity, it's about macho ways of life, it's about, you know, very strong image that we associate. And I think that that very much is our construct. We construct that. That's in a way, as a society, what we want to see. So Mm, women mm. within that, there are obviously a lot of women who are victims to internal mafia violence mafia violence within the family or within the grouping i'm not i'm not suggesting that's not the case what i am suggesting is that we still have a tendency to eradicate the agency of those women who are fully engaging with these groups and who buy into the 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 criminal project and i just want to focus quickly if i can on there's one group I've been looking at in Naples where you're absolutely right. We kind of push this kind of big external macho image and very much a, a, an image that we have in the street. You know, these young men with tattoos, they all have a beard, they all go around uh, on their mopeds. And if we look at that, we think, oh, well, the women aren't there. But if we take a closer look, the women are there. And there's this one particular group in the periphery and suburbs of Naples where, you know, the women are very masculine and, and they behave like men and they say that they're men. There's one in particular who was she was shot in front of her two kids like a man. That's how the, mm. the, mm. Local, the local press, you know, she was killed like a boss, you know. And she says they've got an intercept set where she says, I am a man. I'm not a woman. I'm a man boss. Right. But then if you go and have a look at her Instagram or her Facebook, but she also lives her femininity. She is a woman. She 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 kind of embraces her femininity. She's a mother as well. So we've got these kind of different layers of values of you know what society inflicts on us or imposes on us as yeah we have to be macho, but also the way that kind of women live that. And it's not. I don't think it's necessarily an automatic male space. I think women negotiate space, and so much yeah. so that that, that women have a voice and actually women are better at managing these organized crime groups and these mafias than men are. It's interesting because I have spent some time in in southern Italy and Sicily and my impression was that while the public sphere was very much a patriarchal structure, the family sphere seemed to me very often to be a matriarchal structure. And I just wonder if mafia structures are to an extent family dominated, how th- how those two things interact? It's interesting you say this, Alex, because I've just sent off my manuscript last night on Camorra women being able to negotiate and navigate the household because they are they are very much uh, in control of that household. There was um, a very interesting uh, American sociologist psychologist who wrote a study back in the nineteen sixties where. She identified, she did a lot of tests and identified and, and said, basically, uh, women in particular in Naples, um, as matriarchs, emasculated their sons. And therefore, their mm. sons, in order to be men, macho, virile, uh, they had to affirm their existence in the street with the Camorra. And I thought that was an interesting way of unpacking. That is sort quite of, interesting. To sort of say, it's not just men dominate, because that's the image we have, right? Men dominate the public and the private sphere. And I think that the system also projects certain images and certain values which are you know constructed to a certain extent of what we see or what we expect to see and i think again in relation to the police and again across the board not only in italy but also in europe they they kind of project or they're looking for men so they only see men and they don't even think about the women the women are, are put mm. to one side and sort of said look sorry you know we need to get on with this a couple of things to wrap this up with um these organizations have been 
glamorized, I think, by film and television, you know, and not just the Italian mafias, with The Godfather and Sopranos, but we now have Narcos and Tokyo Vice. It's an attractive subject for someone writing drama, because there's a lot of drama in it. And I just wonder whether there is a danger that in a sort of time of not belonging, of um, family structures feeling less strong, of religious uh, structures feeling less strong, whether there is a danger that these organizations offer something to young people that other structures don't, and, and the sort of phenomenon of um, of baby gangs. I think you're right. I think that's not only in Italy, but also in the UK, if we talk about county lines, there is mm. something around the state and the state's withdrawal. You know, um, I often hear that, and I, and I think back to my own childhood about how we used to have youth clubs. We used to have the, the, the public space was filled with activities for children and young people to feel a sense of belonging to a community, to feel that they belonged and that they had things to do. Whereas I feel very much in Italy, but also in the UK and in France, where the state withdraws from that space, then other groups can come in, whether it's a baby gang that gives you a sense of identity, you know, you've got no hope. So you're better off just going around on a moped shooting um and the same and the same here i think the family structure in italy is more is, is stronger than here i mean that's mm. one of the conclusions that i came to looking at organized crime in the uk one of the big differences is that there was still a family unit uh, perhaps because of the catholic presence the, ch- the presence of the catholic church there was still this kind of family identity it was weaker perhaps but there was still that structure whereas here the state withdrawing its activities or its kind of stimulus to young people and the family not being a strong structure, we have these kind of young people who are lost and who are then being recruited as runners for county lines. And that, for me, is the scandal in this country, is all those young Mm. people who are not being structured or not going to school because the state's not stepping up. Let's end on a hopeful note. Um, Has any country been exceptionally successful at eradicating this kind of organized crime do we, do we have paradigms that we can point to and say look it can be done it can be rooted out so first of all i think what we need to say is that there has to be political will there has to yeah. be an appetite to understand what these criminal organizations do not only in the street controlling people's lives or, or bothering people or imposing themselves on people but also clearly understanding that these organizations their ultimate aim is to recycle their dirty cash into the legitimate economy we have to understand that it's not just about the violence which is important you know we don't let want violent groups but that there's a whole money cycle and that you know it is also about laundering money buying real estate, buying tourist activities, and that's where they ultimately want to go. So if we don't have the political will to identify those processes, not the just low-hanging fruit, but the real high-end criminal syndicates, then I think we're never going to get anywhere. And that's why, you know, the UK leaving the EU with Brexit, I think, has damaged this country enormously in terms of that, because I would argue that that hasn't helped, that we haven't kind of got that kind of European togetherness of fighting this project together, because we have to fight it together. Um, 
And at the same time, as I said previously, these groups are really ahead of the times. So what we can see, and this is where we can see that the uh, policing, the French, the Dutch, the Belgium are really trying to focus on the use of encrypted telephone conversations and encrypted messages and electric um, e-platforms, because that's where the kind of big crime syndicates are now at. What we've got is we've got these high-end drug trafficking groups who are kind of completely off the radar. And we can see that there are some police forces like the French, like the Dutch, who are starting to sort of understand. I mean, obviously, there's a debate around, you know, how far you can infiltrate people's telephones. And that's another that's a debate for another day. But there is this trying to understand where these criminal groups are and where they are undertaking their activities. So law enforcement are trying to address their modern techniques. And I think that, you know, the Italians would say we're behind on that. We're good at, you know, uh, monitoring um, local groups. We're we're, We're good at understanding where they are. But ultimately, there isn't an ideal. Ultimately, this has to be a collective fight. Um, mm. And for the moment, it doesn't really seem to be. It's a very disjointed fight, these different levels, because it's so complicated and so complex. Dr. Filia Alum, thank you. Thank you very much for having me, Alex. Remember, there's a new bunker pretty much every day. So if you like our work, you can support our work on the funding platform Patreon for the miserly price of a coffee. Just search for Bunker Podcast Patreon. When plunder becomes a way of life for a group of men in a society, over the course of time, they create for themselves a legal system that authorizes it and a moral code that glorifies it, wrote Frederick Bastiat. This is why it is important to begin to understand organized crime in a wider political and social context. It may be merely the criminal expression of political currents all too prevalent right now in many areas of our life. This is Alexandreo in the bunker saying over and out. The bunker was presented by Alexandreo. Production by Kasia Tomashevich. Lead producer is Jacob Jarvis. Group editor Andrew Harrison. Audio productions by me, Robin Lieber. And the theme tune is by Kenny Dick. The Bunker is a Podmasters production.